Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Mark Meyer, a world-class realtor with Engel and Volkers. Mark is a top 10 agent in the Hilton Head Island Multiple Listing Service. He has over 25 years of full-time real estate experience and helped over 2,000 families buy or sell their homes across the United States. He was a top-selling agent in Syracuse, New York for a number of years before selling his company and relocating to Hilton Head in 1997. After becoming a top agent with Sea Pines Real Estate Company, he made the decision to open Meyer Collins Real Estate in 2001. In 2005, he sold his half of the business to pursue other interests, but missed the fulfillment that real estate brought him. With an unwavering dedication and passion for helping his clients achieve their real estate objectives, Mark's vast expertise, commitment to personalized service, and excellent negotiating skills form the perfect foundation for success. Let's welcome Mark to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Mark, thank you for being my co-host today. Julie appreciates the day off. Thank you so um, and you much. Know, it wasn't, oh, it's my pleasure always. You know, it's funny. It wasn't until prior to uh, today's show that you reminded me how long we've actually known or known of each other. Uh, we've known each other right. since the Howard Britton days back in the 90s. That's amazing. Yeah. I met you and Julie in Orlando in 1995 at one of his conferences. Oh, my God. That's I was I was 25. <laughs> yes, I'm 48 now. New. Everyone looks at you guys. Exactly, exactly. I won't tell you how yeah. old I am. <laughs> now that now they just look at us and go, "Wow, you guys are whoa." That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens. But you get older. <laughs> oh, hey. So listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host. I uh, actually, listeners, I asked Mark. I don't know, Mark, how many times? Three or four times for you to be on the show, and you kept on saying, yes. "I'm not ready. I don't want to do it. I don't want this, the other thing." Why? And I respected that. I really did. But why did you reject my request to be on the podcast? As to me, uh, I finally decided because I've gotten so much help from you and Julie through your podcast and coaching that I just owed to share that with all of your listeners and, and clients. Well, but the also other side of it, too, is you're, you're naturally a humble guy and you didn't want to feel like oh, yeah. that's Ego. what I've always. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. Ego is the enemy. Ego is the enemy. That's right. I don't do – That's I, right. Years ago, I did the self-promotion, all that. Now, I don't even have a picture on my business card. I'm very low-key um, and just like to do the relationships things with my past customers and clients, and I do a lot of prospecting. Um, and that's that's as much as I get out into the community. Um, I'm not big on to the social scene or anything along those lines. It's a little bit different. From so my brain – my brain is sparking in a million different directions. You said so many really important things there that only comes from having been up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain, essentially lived long enough right. to know uh, kind of what it takes to be not just successful in the traditional sense, but really 
I don't know, happy as a human. So you, t- you mentioned, obviously, our friend Ryan Halliday's book, Ego is the Enemy. Talk about, if you don't mind, you know, and I, I knew why you were not wanting the attention. And I respected that. And frankly, uh, it's how Julian, I think, too. It, oh, what are you talking about, Tim? You guys are authors and you, you know, podcast. But guess what? We are naturally introverted people that don't, that are not braggadocious. We're from Ohio. I mean, you don't, you know, toot your own horn at where, how we grew up. And, and Mark's exactly. the same way. So, Mark, what is the yeah. danger? You said you and we did this too, right? So, what's in our real estate business? We same experiences you had with regards to tooting your own horn too much. What's the danger? What how does that adversely affect your business when you start focusing on your brand and you start thinking of yourself right. as something other than a person of service? Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's 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 a form of the easy button. I think that's the problem that you have to say, well, it's easier for me to spend the money. And I have one of those moving trucks, you know, the biggest waste of money I ever spent. But it was easier <laughs> than getting on the phone and making 50 calls a week, you know, and connecting with people. And the same thing with, you know, postcards with your all your awards all over them. And, you know, the self-promotion that took place. And it definitely has in the time frame back then, it was probably better than it could ever be today, and I would never do it today. It's a waste of money. I don't even do any mailings. You know, I have a very well. We'll talk. Well, well, hover there, there though. Well, well, so but go back to what you just said because it's important that people understand a lot of the stuff that they're being taught today about how to build their businesses, and we have a lot of non-real estate people that are listeners too. You know, they're being told to do all mm-hmm. this self-promotional crap. And what you guys got to see is the people that are trying to sell that to you are just trying to basically uh, manipulate your ego into wanting the attention that comes with that type of self-promotion. That stuff may be at one point, and I think Mark is being generous, it it may have been able to make, we had a moving truck too, Mark, back in the 90s, we had a 24-foot moving truck, and I can count on zero fingers how many actual transactions we got from that, you know, but we lent it out to our customers, we did all that. But we got no business from it. And all this other self-promotional crap, you get really virtually no business from it. And yet, and it's been proven so many times to be really largely ineffective and an enormous waste of money. And then your ego gets wrapped up in it. And then you start getting sort of off track of why you got in the business in the first place and all that stuff. I don't want this to be a coaching call. You know what I'm talking about. But that same stuff is being taught. That same crap is being taught today. And nobody seems to be willing to tell the truth to agents out there. And agents are foolishly, because they're out of, you know, being direct, out of ignorance and uh, out of lack of exposure, they're believing that those things work. So if you could grab hold of the mark of, you know, 20 years ago and tell them the truth about all that stuff, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say take it from us who've been been there, done that, and spent a lot of money. There's no sense in, in – doing that i mean i wish that there was podcasts and training and you guys were around when i first got in the business because i remember just you know spending a lot of money thinking that you have to spend money to make money that's kind of how the mantra was back then um and at the end of the year i'd have you know the same as a teacher salary you know at the end of the year way way back but um i just think if people follow your book and follow uh like fanatical prospecting that's the key that's those two things sum up everything in my book i agree i mean it's funny amazon agrees too because every time someone buys one of our books fanatical prospecting ego is the enemy or also 
uh, recommended books. So it's kind of fascinating that, you know, so many people are buying all three because I really agree 100 percent that the combination of those three mindsets are really all you need to be successful long term. And But there is there is a bit of a, an ego sick. There is a bit of an ego sickness that started to become popular back in those Howard Britton days. A lot of folks that, you know, this as well as I do, Mark, most people that are listening, you know, they haven't hundred and I don't know how many today, 106, 10,000, I don't know. You know, they weren't in the business back right. when you and I are in the business. So they don't realize that these things are just basic gimmicks. And they're businesses that have been around forever in one form or another who are all trying to sell, Mark said it right, who are all trying to sell you into the belief that if you do all this passive marketing crap, and there's coaches out there that say it too. And if my words offend people, I apologize. Not really, but I sort of do. You know, I apologize if you, when you hear me say words, certain words that you find offensive, if you all of a sudden stop listening, that's what I'm sorry for. But I'm not sorry for basically being right. as direct and saying this stuff is crap because it is. And it's, it is ruining it is. people's lives. It is ruining agents' potentiality. It's ruining people's families. It's ruining people's finances. And it honestly pisses me off. You know, but, so listen, let's yeah. get off that soapbox. You are sure. a rock star, my friend. So last year, you sold nearly 70 <laughs> houses with one assistant. <laughs> you sold nearly 70 houses yeah. with one assistant. You're the number one in your office. Number one in your market, in your, you know, in your, in your, was it region or, and, and but here's the thing I, that I'd like in, to talk about. In our, go ahead. Sure. In your uh, market. Just well, I'm not going to push. My market is based upon um, a lot of them are teams and companies here do it as a whole team. There would be 80 people on a team and they're listed as one person. So if you took all the single agents, then I was in the top, top one or two. The other one was a builder's rep. So, but, but, the, but let's be honest. Nobody cares. About it. Sure. Yeah, but Mark, Mark, right, you know this. Exactly. Nobody cares. Exactly. Buyers and sellers can give a rat's right. ass. So, so you're. But here's what right. here's what does matter. You sold nearly 70 houses with one assistant, and I'm not going to. If you want to talk numbers, you can. If you don't, sure. I respect that. Some people don't want to talk about revenue. Some people don't want to talk about net. But listeners, here's what, I, and it's up to him. I'm not going to make him uncomfortable. He's my guest. But here's really what matters. If you sell nearly 70 houses and you have one assistant you're I'm most assuredly paying less than $50,000 a year to, you are making hellacious profits. And Mark, are you buying any of your business? None, none, none okay. at all. So, I always feel okay. if you want Zillow leads, put, get a lot of listings and put them on Zillow. Yeah, don't even talk to me about Zillow. <laughs> all right, so you have your average <laughs> sale price and you <laughs> – well, but seriously, right? I mean, come on now. Agents who are sure. are taking out ads to try to fool potential buyers into thinking that they're the listing agent on somebody else's work. And, you know, come on now, folks. Is that really how you want to build your business around that kind of, I don't know what we want to call it, white lie, just being nice? But, Mark, let's specific. You have, sure. What's your average sale price? Uh, 425 uh, okay. In your market, is what's the average commission? Average commission three percent, six percent. Okay, so you six percent total. Three, three. So when you so gross revenue when you're selling uh, again, if you don't want to talk about this, fine. Tell me back off, and I will. But if you're selling seventy houses and you're making an average of uh, four hundred times twelve thousand dollars, the total revenue off that before mm -hmm. broker splits is you know what? I can't even do that in my head. Hold on. Eight, eight, eight forty. Okay, 840. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, and if you're not no buying problem. leads, if you're not buying leads mm -hmm. and you're not doing any goofy branding and not wasting any of your money, you're making as much money from a team that has to earn, a team mm -hmm. leader. And listeners, listen to what I'm saying. I promise you, you're not going to hear this anyplace else. 
Mark is making as much net profit, well, maybe even more, than somebody who runs a team that earns $8 million in commission, because most people running teams are lucky if they make 8% or make 10%. Wow. So here's another thought for all of you. Uh, most brokerages make only around 3% uh, and the owners are making less than Mark. And for them to make similar money as Mark, they're probably having to have, I, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk out of church, but I look at brokers numbers all day when I coach some of our high end agents. But let me tell you, you're making more money than probably most agents and most big named agents are because of the fact that you're running your business smart. So it, anything you want to tag on to that to help emphasize that point? Yeah, I, I Exactly. I think a couple things is that I chose uh, when I hired an assistant, I was brand new back in the business. So I hired a 25-year-old kid who was a paralegal working part-time at a paralegal office nearby and he had no experience. So he took a gamble and, and I took him on and, and toys I had, I could have easily gotten a seasoned you know, uh, assistant, but I wanted to ramp up my business the way I wanted to ramp it up. And that was through prospecting, um, not doing the mailings and all of the cost, in cost effective things. So um, it worked out well. And I did probably, my net was very good, but it could, it will definitely be better this year because we made some mistakes along the way. Well, okay. So first of all, that's a good segue for me. What are your, what are you doing to generate leads? I'm sorry, I missed you. I'm sorry. What are you doing? What's your lead? What are your lead generation spokes? What are your, what are your primary sources of business? Oh, yeah. Um, sphere of influence is the number one. Uh, number two will be ex expires and withdrawals. Number three is going to be past customers and clients. Uh, it's been 10 years since I was in the business, so a lot of them are still finding out that I got back into the business. And then I do a little bit of open houses for listings. I don't do it for buyers, but for listings we do that. And then it would just be um, the rest is going to be just self-generated through for sale by owners and other miscellaneous prospecting uh, ways. You are a scheduled guy, right? You have a, you have the morning schedule, the routine down pretty exactly. consistent, right? So talk about that. Exactly. How important is having a schedule? How important is having a schedule? You what is to. your schedule? Sarah, you me. have to. Yeah, basically, I come in every morning. Um, I'm not as early as I used to be. Uh, I get here by 8 o'clock. I pull up all of the expires and withdrawals for the, that day, um, do the research and getting uh, all the numbers and so forth, um, and then start making my calls at 9 o'clock. And, and then I have follow-up calls from the day or two or three before an expires that we delivered free listing packages or mail those packages to, and just relentlessly follow up up until about noon. And then we take care of our offers and negotiations and listing appointments in the afternoon. Do you focus on the number of and contacts you're going to make? Every, I'm sorry? Yeah, I do a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're I saying the same thing, of, I think. Um, just, yeah, I do a lot of um, just as many calls as I can reach. So what I try to do is at the end of every day is make sure I reach 10 people that may take 50 calls and you know 25 voicemails but 10 people um that are new or basically good follow-up calls okay so you your goal is to make 10 solid 10 solid contacts per day and those 10 solid contacts are they a mix of your centers of influence past yes. clients mix of expires okay so your goal every day is to right, make 10 solid contacts right and i do work 
I, I work, uh, I do my expires and withdrawals on the weekends too, if I'm in town, even if I'm out of town. So I do, because I find that a lot of agents don't work the weekends. So I'll work two or three hours on a Saturday or Sunday because it's easier on those weekends to, to catch those people too. That'll How take long did it take? Week, you know, so I'm, not, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, but not as bad as I used to be. How long did it take you to be comfortable picking up the phone and talking to strangers? Uh, I would have to say five, about four or five years. And um, when I was first in the business, of course, I tried to do open houses constantly and did the mailings and things. And then I realized I was spending more money than making, and I just had to pick up the phone. And back then, I would just, you know, knock on doors and pick up the phone. That was it. And then, and then it started to all click together. So let's talk to the and Mark from long ago. Let's talk to the Mark from long sure. ago, the one that basically took four or five years to basically get comfortable prospecting. If you could talk to that Mark yep. now and you could give him, if you could give him maybe two or three suggestions on what he can do to get comfortable at it and say four or five months versus four or five years, because there's really no reason in retrospect, I'm sure you'll agree that it should have taken that long. What would you have done differently? Maybe yep. two or three points to the listeners. Absolutely. Would first make sure to uh, read and listen to your your book, and and also uh, read that fanatical prospecting, and really learn as much as possible. I call that your own college education in real estate. And then just do it. Just go up and down the street, knock on doors, and just get over it. And same with the phone calls. And that's the key. And I would have done that a lot earlier if someone had told me to. There's no question. I was in an office, what? so they had a lot of seasoned people with, you know, they just got call in business all the time. I was one of the only new ones, so I really didn't have any direction other than I had top producers near me, but they had call in business. When you were in the business originally, uh, about the same time Julie and I got into the business, it was prospecting was seen as something only new agents do or sort of like the fringe agents. Marketing and branding, right. as it is now, was very popular, and because agents were all gravitating towards the thing that they could do that would somehow passively have it so people called them, because the nature of an inbound lead is different than the nature of an outbound call, right? So that was the belief that you could build your business around that. And I think you were generous in saying that maybe back then it worked. I suppose it did, but the reality of it is now it's oversaturated, and nobody pays attention exactly. to that stuff anymore. And, and you know what's fascinating is having been in, in this industry for as long as both of us have, Mark, is that the pendulum has swung back, right? So now that everybody's doing Absolutely. online passive, you know, nobody's picking up the phone effectively. And so if you go and pick up the phone where everyone else is trying to do this passive crap, people are going to actually be receptive to you because there's a voice on the other end of the phone. It's not just some stupid message on Facebook. So I, I hope listeners are Absolutely. understanding the power. Well, did you resist originally being scripted, knowing, you know, having basically being scripted, or did you try to wing it? What was your approach? No, I uh, resisted, as most people do, and then realized um, that the only way to do it is to have it perfected. You know, it's just like a, a actor that gets on stage. If they don't know their lines, they're not going to have a good performance. And that's how I feel when I get on top of that phone, is that I have to be up and have my scripts and everything down completely. Now I don't have to look at any paper, but it took me years to become paperless in front of the phone. Uh, and you have to have scripts. There's no question. Why did you resist originally? Do you even remember? Fear. You know, everyone has that. It's like, you know, a fear of rejection, you know, and I remember, I remember someone just swearing at me or hanging up the phone and I felt like nothing. I thought, oh my God, why am I in this business? But 
it's the best business you could possibly be in. And that took me 10 years to realize that when I got out of the business, I wanted to do something else. And then I realized this is the best business ever. I completely agree. We have a lot of entrepreneurs in the business and they send me emails. Tim, I'm in this business, the other business. And they say, can you help me? What's going And it's like, you, I call them up occasionally and, or they'll send me their numbers and I'll look to see what their cost of doing business is and what their margins are and oh, the cost to get the business started. Are you kidding me? Get a friggin' real estate license, exactly. people. Oh, it's you know, oh my gosh. Crazy. Right, so let's you, crazy. You get a lot of bit you get a lot of business from your centers of influence and past clients. What do you do for those folks? How for the listeners listening, how do you go about working that group, expanding that group? Yeah. Calling and asking for the business is the number one thing. And what I do is alternate between a phone call and an email or text message. Depends on how busy those folks are and how many leads I've gotten. For example, if I get a lead from somebody in January, I really won't bother them until March. You know, I won't call them in February again. But it's really the key thing is in just calling and being a friend and saying hello and hope the kids are great. You know, what do you think of the weather? Hope you get to the beach, you know. Or I'll drive by their property if it's a second home and say, I just want to let you know your azaleas are out. It looks great. Um, just thinking of you. It's just those types of soft calls, I call them, but being in front of them. And that's the cheapest, easiest way. It is. And, and, you know, the other thing is, is that you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to say this is a business call. You can say really nice, receptive things like, uh, you know, exactly what you just said. I was just thinking about you. I was just driving by your house. Your property looks fantastic. And you don't even overtly have to ask for business every time. You can just say yeah. passively, hey, by the way, if you run across anyone that I should be helping buy or sell real estate, please do. You know, I would appreciate it if you consider passing your, my information along to them. When you say stuff like that, listeners, Absolutely. every one of you can say that, right? I mean, that's not something that's yeah. going to make you. I don't, I don't care what, how much you don't consider yourself a salesperson. You can say that, right? right. Of course you can. And it's Absolutely. easy and it's fun. Of course you can. Right. You know what's yeah, really surprising to me? Sure. I just love no, the go ahead. That, you know, hey, is there any way you is there any way that you can help me out? We're trying to achieve our goal this year. We're trying to, you know, get the business going. And they all want to help you out. They all want to use that word, you know, can you help me out? I'd love the the assistance if you don't mind. You know what's also fascinating too, is not only are most people very receptive to you asking, they're pleasantly surprised yeah. that you asked. Uh, because they appreciate the fact that you see them as somebody that could help you. So when you ask somebody for help, guys, you have to suck up your ego a little bit. But what you're doing is you're making those people feel important because you're asking them to help you. I don't know if psychologically, well, look, most agents, most people are so wrapped up in their own heads about, oh my God, what if they say this? I say that. What if they make me feel this way or that way? Guys, even though Mark hasn't verbalized this yet, I'm sure all of you are feeling this, Mark has matured to the point or evolved to the point or whatever word you want to use to realizing that this business is about being of service to other people. When you have that as your prominent Absolutely. thought, I am in the people service business, that ego shit melts away. It doesn't ever go away. And I'm not saying prospecting is ever not going to suck. It probably always will, but it'll suck less always because will. you're in tune with well, okay, so let's talk about that. It always will, right? And yes, yeah, the lifeblood of your business. Prospecting is the lifeblood of your business. Mm -hmm. So how do you do it when you don't want to do it at the highest level? How do you do that? I really look at it as it's like anything that you don't want to do. No one wants to diet. No one wants to work out. It's just healthy. It keeps my business healthy. It keeps my mind healthy. It keeps me interested in the business. There's nothing better 
to me than to secure a listing that was uh, an expired with four other agents, and I'm the fifth one in the door. And <laughs> love that. I just think it's great. Uh, same with the for sale by owner. You know, be of service to them over the phone for three, four, five months, and then they finally call and say, hey, you've helped me out. I couldn't get my house sold. Now it's your turn. Come and list me. Nothing feels better than that. That's the prospecting works. It's the gratification of helping them out. When you have somebody on the phone and you're trying to differentiate yourself or they're trying to figure out what makes you different, you know, sometimes they're even as bold to say, is, sure. you know, all you realtors sound the same. What makes you different? How do you, how do you answer that question? Or do you not answer I the question because what you uh, – well, I mean, do you, do you say things in such a way that that doesn't become a question because you headed it off ahead of time with your presentation or, or your scripted approach? I think um, both, but also I've got a, uh, in regards to a pre-listing package, the minute I talk to somebody, that same day they're getting it, or if they're out of town and they get a UPS to them. So that answers and really makes me very different from other agents um, overall. And you know, the base, basics of it is, is, you know, from your program, and then we've just added pages along the time, you know, add here, add there different things, but overall, 90% of the agents don't even have a pre-listing package in my marketplace. They just don't. Isn't that awesome? You know, they do, but I mean, let's be quality. honest. Yeah. Great. Right, well, from a competitive Great. perspective, don't you love the fact that they don't have PLPs? I remember when Julie and I sold real estate, I loved it when they didn't have PLPs. It was great, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, it is. Competition is competition. There's no question. Right. Yeah. And so I tell let's people talk, not to yeah. be brash. But another thing that I tell people is I have enough business and, you know, that I may not be the right agent for you. So I said it's just as much me interviewing you as it is you interviewing me. And that really puts them, in, like, on a different level um, that I'm not out there just to get their own business. If I can't help them or, you know, they're, as I put it, they can't be helped, then I don't want to be part of it. Um, and I always leave on a good note. I mean, that's one thing is – be gracious on every appointment. Every appointment you lose, be gracious. Every listing you lose, be gracious because it's word of mouth afterwards. So you just said two things. I'm going to go in reverse order. Pre-qualifying. You seem to me like you are somebody that is vigilant about knowing their motivation. What are the things that you have to know before you go on a listing appointment, Mark? What, uh, when they're going to put their house in the market, just that is number one thing. Who's making the decisions? Number three is um, have they their time frame in regards to when they need to have their property sold and closed. And those are three so a half two versus things before I'll yeah a half right. two versus a half two versus a one two you know, the, exactly exactly. If people say I'm going to test the market, you know that's a, or um, and no rush whatsoever. We just think it's springtime. We should try if we get our price to get our price. And I will. Just I will go and spend 15 minutes with those folks, or if they're out of town owners, I'll spend 15, 20 minutes on the phone. But I just put them in, a, in my system that I'm going to just keep calling them until they are ready, or wait till that listing expires with their agent that they did choose. Pretty so much I want to know the market is going to sell or not. Allow me to add a footnote for the sake of our listeners. If you guys are selling real estate in an area like a lot of our agents in you know expensive markets are. Yeah, I'm thinking of Rob Johnson in Greenwich, Connecticut. He's one of the top agents there. And out in LA, we have a whole bunch of top agents and all the rest of it. When you guys are dealing with people that are genuinely rich, they never have to. And the difference between a have to and a want to is someone that has to sell their house. They don't have an alternative. Their alternative is not, it, their alternative sucks. So they have to sell it versus a rich person, which never has to do anything. 
And a rich person will not give you the same level of, I mean, I say rich person just because I'm trying to make a point quickly, right? They're not going to have the same level of have to as a normal person's going to. So when you don't, don't please overthink what we're saying right now. If you are selling in a market where the average sale price is probably a million and a half and above, you're probably going to deal with people that have uh, never, don't truly have have tos, they have want tos. I'd like to sell the house, but if I can't, maybe I just keep it vacant or maybe I rent it out. That stuff happens all the time on these multi-million dollar properties, guys. So just be clear about that. Mark, let's talk about lead follow-up. Let's talk about your lead follow-up system. Sure. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry if you have some. Yeah, go ahead. Just one one thing I like to touch on because some of our you know uh, wealthier clients, we always go on to their emotions. We say, yeah, we know financially you don't have to sell it, but isn't this a headache? Or wouldn't you like to put this behind you? Or you know, is it going to change your life if you take a half million dollar loss on your house? Um, and hitting those buttons, too, other agents don't even talk about that. But if you hit their emotional status, uh, changing that, then that really helps in, in making those some of those owners motivated. That's right. That's an excellent point. So lead follow-up. You know, we're obviously zealots about having furiously fast lead follow-up, um, something we trademarked a long time ago. So you are, I know, a great lead follow-upper. What are your rules? How long do you wait for to call somebody back or email somebody back? Or what are your internal like guidelines for lead follow-up? Yep. Uh, plain and simple, if I call, look, say for an uh, expired that I called and spoke to on Monday, the follow-up on that is they're going to get their pre-listing package, a handwritten thank you note with a wax seal. They're going to get emailed, messaged, you know, instant message, all thanking them for the time on the phone and talking. I'll wait two days to three days, call and make sure they got the package and follow up on any questions they have. Lots of them say they don't have any questions or they haven't read it yet. But probably every two to three days, um, a phone call and a follow-up with an email in between. So it's relentless. So making, you know, they're getting touched by me every day. Uh, listeners, here's some simple rules for you. If they say, call me back in two weeks, call them back in a week. And here's, a, here's even more of a drill-down right. approach to it. If they have to sell, you have to list them or one of two things happen. They list with you or somebody else, so they file a restraining order against you. In other words, you cannot be too aggressive with your lead follow-up, especially when it comes to a right. seller. Well, because the reality of it is, is oftentimes, not consciously, but subconsciously, a lot of sellers will choose the agent that is the most aggressive about pursuing the listing. And, you know, guys, right. what is, why don't you do it? Because you're afraid they're going to reject you? Well, you're creating the rejection in their minds because they're creating, you're creating a system or you're creating a situation where they doubt that you're even the right agent because you're not even aggressive trying to get the contract signed in the first place. So, I mean, guys, just exactly. remember that. If they have to list, you, they, your two rules for lead follow-up are you call them, knock on their door, chase them until they list with you or somebody else they file a restraining order against you. So, Mark, you've been in and out of real estate, what, three times? Is that right? Yeah, the first two times I just changed markets. Uh, I took baby probably two or three months. I was in Syracuse, New York, sold the business, wanted to get to the warm weather and moved to Hilton Head and start all over here. So I didn't really have a lapse other than the learning curve. But I immediately, I probably, uh, the first year down here, first 12 months did 50 transactions. So I was right back where I was. And then when I sold my uh, business down here to my ex-business partner, um, I took time off and then got back into it. But a lot had happened from 2006 to 2016. The internet, the leads, and you know all of those things are so different. But what was great is that the old prospecting ways 
were even better. I think it was easier to prospect this past year than it was 15 years ago because no one else was doing it. Well, you just said something. You just said something, two things. Number one, listeners, I hope you heard what he said. He moved from New York to South Carolina, and within 12 months, he'd sold 50 houses. If you're trying to build your business based on branding and all this other bullshit that's trying to be sold to realtors, you're not going to be able to do that in 12 months. Because if you have a prospecting-based business, which has high margins, you don't have to wait for it to work because you're the thing that's working. Get it, guys? So listen to what he just said. That's really, really critical to understand that. Well, that's a hard lesson for people to learn, isn't it? Because they don't want to hear it. But, you know, I'm not so sure they don't want to hear it. Exactly. I I think it's because not many people are saying it anymore. And and here's the second thing you said, Mark. Listen to what he said. He's in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I don't know how many of you guys know that market, but that is a fantastic market. Even in the recession, that was a great market. Nobody's prospecting, or at least not like you would think, because they're all doing the passive stuff. Now, I'm not... I'm not trying to encourage exactly. people to become competitors for, with Mark on the phone, <laughs> but the reality of it is, <laughs> is all of you who have gravita- gravitated towards this passive lead generation, thinking you can buy your leads, to, buy your way to success, postcards, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. All of you guys who actually have believed that that's not true, or if you're coming into the business now and you're being seduced into believing it's true, you are jumping into shark infested waters where the, it is absolutely oversaturated because every other agent who's trying to avoid doing the real work like Mark does, they're doing the same exact thing. So the probability of you having anything other than a high credit card balance from spending all the money on those Google ads uh, is about zero. Learn how to earn the business and earn while you learn. In other words, don't wait forever to get started actually doing the real work. Do the real work and learn while you're actually in the process of earning money. You know, there's... Our coaching program is not designed, not designed to make it so you have to sit around for the next you know, 60 days and know the material. We want you to start using the material immediately and learn while you're earning. Mark, what has coaching and training over Absolutely. the years meant to you? Oh, it's been, I couldn't be where I am. It's the best, best thing ever. Um, totally believe in it. Um, and you know, between that and your podcast and your book and so forth, it's just, there's so many tools out there that agents, that's again, agents don't use them. They'll buy the books and let them sit on the shelf or they'll have the audible app, but they won't listen to the podcast in their car. I mean, it happens all the time. So you just have to apply it. And I always look at it. It's a great business to be in and you can make a lot of money, but you've got to do, you have to work at it and do yourself stuff to get it done. You can make a lot of money, but what you can really do, which is really abnormal for a business nowadays, is you can get in this business with virtually no cost. I mean, you're going to have some money in your training. You're going to have some money in your licensing and some other stuff, but you can effectively get in this business for less than 10 grand. And the overhead for running your business every single month is nothing. Really, it's what, a thousand bucks? Most of you guys can run your business on a thousand bucks a month. And then depending on your market, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars per year if you're willing to do the real work. Most of the money you make will go to your pocket. And with the money, after you pay your business expenses and your taxes and your Mickey Mouse, you then invest it. You buy rental properties. Those rental properties, you know, this is what, Chapter 17 in Harris Rules. Those rental properties then produce passive income. The passive income then comes in at such a volume uh, over time that it uh, produces enough net income to cover all your personal overhead. Then your money is working for you. You no longer have to work for your money, and you are by definition rich. What could be easier to understand or more, I think, simplistic and beautiful than that? Right. There's Mark, no why do you that, think that advice is so good? Why do you think agents are so uh, convinced? 
that becoming successful like you are, you know, you'll probably, what do you think? A million dollars this year? Why do you think agents want it to be more complicated? I think they think to make that amount of money, you got to have, uh, you know, a master's degree and make things more complicated. It just isn't that complicated. But a lot of them, the problem is, is people are afraid to pick up that phone or afraid to knock on that door, you know, or to work hard. A work ethic is another thing that anyone that I talk to or come and work for me, um, I said that you've got to have a good work ethic. You've got to make the most of your time just because you're sitting in the office for eight hours. If you're not making calls, you're really not working. That's right. I mean, if you're not putting yourself in a position to hear a no from somebody five times a day, and I'm not talking about, you know, your family members or your four-year-old, like we hear no from Zoe all the time. Sure. But if you're not in the position to hear no from a potential buyer or seller at least five times a day, you didn't work. There's a little thing that all of you guys should write exactly. down. Hey, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm actually running six minutes late for another event. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I really appreciate you being my co-host today. I really I'll appreciate you being yeah, I, I sincerely look just between you and me and, you know, the hundred plus thousand plus that are listening right now. I really appreciate your, uh, you know, your contribution to Julie and I's lives and our business. And I really appreciate the fact that you're out there being a um, I think really being a beacon, a North Star for a lot of agents. And hopefully this podcast will encourage a new generation of agents to realize what a blessing this business is. Or frankly, if you don't follow the advice from Mark, what a frankly, what a curse it can be. So, Mark, I really appreciate, um, you know, you. And if so, if that, someone wants to send you a referral, how can they do so? Sure. Uh, my phone number, uh, call or text 843-816-0693 or email is preferred, mark, M-A-R-K, dot, mayor, M-A-Y-E-R, at evusa.com. Excellent. Mark, I really appreciate you being appreciate my co-host. So Listeners, much. Oh, it's my pleasure, of course. So, guys, there it is. There's the truth. There's the path for you to follow. Now it's up, for you, up to you to follow it. If there's anything we can do for you, listeners, please go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Mark and everyone else will talk to you on the show tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.